Bereshit bara Elohim et Hashemayim ve'et ha'eretz. Bereshit bara Elohim et Hashemayim ve'et ha'eretz. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the word of God. You can be open in your Bibles to Genesis 1. We're going to do a series through Genesis, and uh, I was going to, I'm, I am going to take broad stories that may not be verse by verse, uh, but uh, I couldn't get past verse 1, <laughs> so we got to start there. And uh, 1968, on Christmas Eve, the first men to orbit another planet were orbiting the moon in Apollo 8, and they were speaking back to Earth. These were the first men to see the moon up close, the first men to witness and record an Earth rise. And their names are Frank Borman, William A. Anders, and James A. Lovell, Jr. As America and the world listen to these men, they are at the point of the spear of human achievement. And at, a, at that point of time in history, these men on earth heard these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You can see that on YouTube. I listened to it this morning and wept. They were, well, they went on to read the first ten verses of the first chapter of Genesis. But in that moment, they reminded everyone on earth that no matter what man achieves or how far he goes, the one who is still God is the three in one. His name is Yahweh. And so you have heard it read in Hebrew in case you thought that Brother Stephen got a dose of the ghost. No, he was reading out of Hebrew. <laughs> Just saying. And uh, indeed, as, as those words in Hebrew are, are constructed so carefully. And Hebrew is not a careful language, but the way it is written, it brings some things to bear. And so this whole, this whole uh, series in Genesis, I'm going to call it Back to the Basics. Uh, I, I've just been reading through Genesis again. And, and as I did, I realized this, that everything that we are doing and know and understand today, the root of it is in the book of Genesis. You can't get away from that basics. And I love in the Bible, in the first two chapters, there is no devil. In the last two chapters, there is no devil. And, uh, and so God is telling us how we began because man wonders, where did I come from? Genesis tells us. Where am I going? Genesis tells us. Uh, what do I do in the meantime? Genesis tells us. And we're going to see that through some of these great stories in the Bible. Uh, I, I so appreciate singing the doxology this morning. Again, just about wept. Didn't know it had more than one verse. That was a very, now I've got to go back and read all those verses because that, that's rich. Um, but but that, that singing of worship and praise to this God that we know and say we know. Today's sermon uh, is, the, for just today, I've got a different title. It's called The Prime Mover. Because in these verses, as I said, it, is, it, it lays out something that you either have to believe that and all the evidence points to it, or you have to make something up so that you can be satisfied. And I'm telling you what the Bible says is more provable scientifically than, than evolution or any other uh, idea that came. 
come, this Bible hadn't been opened to Genesis much. It keeps wanting to close. You would think the first page would be easier to get to, wouldn't you? Uh, and, and, but but it, is, it is constructed in such a way that, that it can only be true. Now listen, we read it in Hebrew because it sounds cool. And uh, I'm still going to let you know what some of these Hebrew words uh, are. But, the, but in the English Bible, y- you get it there too. It is no less true. Uh, we read those just to let you know that we have an accurate translation of how God told Moses to write the book of Genesis. So today, what I want you to take home with you is that the Bible shows us where to begin. God is. The Bible says uh, in, in the book of Hebrews, those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we see this God who is in the very first verse, in the beginning, God. That, that is from the words, better sheep, baderah, Elohim. And in that, that first word that you hear in Hebrew is a word that means it is pre, there is at the very beginning, that's where he is. That, that there is something happening, but it is the very first thing that ever is, and it's God. Because it goes on to say Elohim. And, and in other words, God was pre-existent. Before there was an earth, before there was space, before there were stars. Listen, I, I read that about Apollo 8. I was an 8-year-old boy in those days. I watched that on TV. Uh, I already knew the Lord. I was excited to hear that as an 8-year-old boy on Christmas Eve, to hear them read from Genesis 1. I, I'm sure there were some people that weren't happy they did that. But I am thrilled that they did that. It, this, this word points to that there was absolutely nothing. And God acts. God does something. God was before there was space. In fact, a couple of weeks ago I read a scientific article that said space not, might not be as big as we think it is. That, that it seems it may be even smaller as, we, as they're looking out there. They're going, wait a minute. And they're seeing that there may not be as many galaxies and things as they used to estimate. That there's a limit to space. There is a, a, a spot you're going to get to. You're out of space. What is beyond that? I will tell you, Genesis 1-1 tells you God is in that spot. And before there was an earth, before there was time, before there was matter, before there was space... God is three in one, three persons, one God, perfectly happy, perfectly content, needing nothing, desiring nothing. And in that divine counsel before man existed or angels existed or anything existed, God decided to make this universe that we see. Now, I I wasn't there at that council, so obviously I don't know how they came about that. But when we read these words, we understand this. That second word, bara, means to create. The word create is within that first word as well, but it adds a little spot to it. It starts with bara, but it cuts it off and puts a different ending on it. It says, before there was anything, the very first thing that created God is there. Now, if you think of it in English and you read that, you would say, oh, it's saying at the beginning God became, but it can't be that way in this language because of how it is constructed. It can only be that in the very beginning we see the power of God creating. That the bara, the heavens and the earth, they are sim- uh, simplicity. Uh, this simplicity pre- precludes preexistent matter. In other words, the way it's written, it was so simple. That means there was nothing there and suddenly there is. 
that God spoke it into being. All things that come after are created out of the heaven and earth that God created in this moment. That phrase, the heavens and the earth, it was a Hebrew phrase to say everything. They just use more words. We say everything. We could say in the beginning, God created everything. The Hebrew says the heavens and the earth. In other words, all that is. Now, let me help you as you read through the Bible later on. The word heavens has three different meanings or stages in the Bible. The first stage of the heavens is the atmosphere in which you and I exist. The second heavens is where we sent the rocket outside of this atmosphere. And all the stars and all the galaxies, that's the second heavens. The third heaven is where God is. That's the spot where he is. And in this moment, God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. And so we see the power of God in creation, the preexistence of God, that there was nothing and God spoke and it is. God was, was, again, he was alone. There was no matter. There was no time and no space. And God put one foot on, his not, on nothingness and another foot on the nowhere. And he spoke into existence all that we see. That's who our God is. And thirdly, we see the primacy of God. Because all that I've been describing to you is summed up in a Latin phrase, ex nihilo. Which means out of nothing. Coming out of nothing, God created a universe. Now, i got a lot of little jokey things to say about that, but I'll just limit it to maybe one, perhaps two. I don't know. But uh, going to seminary where everybody learns this stuff, I was walking into a, a class, one that I struggled with, and I thought I would be cute. Don't ever be cute with a guy that has Ph.D. behind his name. I'm just telling you. You're going to get embarrassed. And so I raised my hand as we were going to have an exam that day. I raised my hand. I said, Dr. Larkin, who is now in heaven. Hope he found humor in it when he got there. But anyway, I said, Dr. Larkin, are we going to observe five minutes of prayer and fasting for our test today? And he said, Stuart, God created ex nihilo only once out of nothing. <laughs> and so he was saying, my brain was empty. And if I hadn't put anything in there, ain't nothing coming out. And yeah, the class all busted out laughing and I was embarrassed. But that's okay. God, the the way this is written, it means out of the nothingness God created. It's more or less assumed, but the words are saying whenever, whenever that beginning was, God made something out of nothing because there was nothing there to make it. It doesn't say, because later the word is used meaning to cut or form, but the way they the way that God had Moses record it in Genesis 1 precludes that there was any matter. In other words, this, this desk, this pulpit, if you want to call it that, st- standing here was made out of pre-existent materials. God, there was nothing, and he made it. He made the matter that we see. You see, for evolution to be true, matter has to be eternal. There had to always be matter. Well, when you when you get one of those guys that believe that really pinned down, he, he has to acknowledge that he doesn't know where matter came from. That just, that's the big, when they say Big Bang, what they mean is there was nothing and boom, something exploded. And but what, who put the something there? Where did that come from? How did it get there to explode? How did that explosion occur? How did a little spot of matter become the universe? Uh, we don't know, but we, See, it takes more faith to believe in stupidity and doesn't believe what God said happened, that there was nothing except God, and God created all things that are. 
You've got to get there, folks. You've got to be there to understand. And, and Genesis 1, in those very few words, sets the scene for the rest of the Bible. That in the very beginning, before anything was, there was God. And when God made all of this, here, man messed it up. We'll get to that third chapter down, okay? But, but when God made all this, don't you think that since he made it, he understands it, knows how to make it work? Therefore, whatever's going on in our life, we can trust God to take care of what is going on in our life. Because in the very beginning, God out of nothing made everything. Can you, do you think he can take what he has made, you and your life, and make something great out of it? Well, of course he can. He can use you in his work. He is the all-encompassing God. And I've said this, and I want you to catch this. He created space. He created matter. He created time in the very beginning. Now, there's an interesting parallel in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Whenever that beginning was, God already was. And we understand Him to be Jesus. I'll, I'll pull that out a little bit more as we go on. But in the beginning was God. In verse 2, and, and I know we only... Read verse 1, but in verse 2, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The, the earth was a nothingness. It was a waste of nothingness. It was empty and void. These words are fun to say in Hebrew. I won't do it to you. But, but how these words came to be is lost in the midst of time. We don't know where they got these words from, but we know what they meant by them. And as we read these words, we, we find out that, that there is just a ball of water hanging there. There is no form to it. There is no, there's no design to it yet. That God had made it. Now, we're going to get down to verse 3 when he starts creating. We're not going to do that this morning. When he starts forming everything and making the earth look the way it looks. Uh, well, he made it look different than it looks today. But that's for later in Genesis at the flood. We'll get there too. Uh, but, but it's telling us that this earth that he spoke in existence, he spoke it into just a, basically an unformed blob of matter. And he's going to come back and make it better. The earth was without form and void, as, as the English says. And that's as good a translation as any of what these words mean. It had no form to it. It was, it was void of, of any life or design. God not only created it, he's going to come back and personally Touch it and form it into what he wants it to become. I also want you to catch that. Because out of nothingness, God creates somethingness. Right? Uh, and today, man does not want to think that way. Because man wants to set man as the last in a line of evolved animals. But we are separate from that. We are made differently from that. I'll get into detail on that later. I don't want to get into it now. I do want to get into it now. I've got to stop myself. But, but we, are, we are not an evolved animal. God created out of nothing. And he is going to use that matter and design it. But my point is this. That God is so personally involved in that creation. And we see that repeated uh, in the scripture. That he is involved in your creation in your mother's womb. According to Psalm 139, he's using the same language that as God formed man out of the dust, so he is forming you in your mother's womb. And that, so that means 
that a child who is born that we would not call normal, that has any problem or any condition or any situation that seems different to us, God was involved in the creation of that child. And therefore, we have no right to call that child worthless because God created all this. God made all of this. Yesterday, I read that the governor of South Carolina, um, not because I'm keeping up South Carolina news, it made national news, signed the bill that says you cannot kill a child if you can hear its heartbeat. And of course, the judge shut it down, and they're hoping that will get to the Supreme Court because we, at this moment in time, we have enough to maybe overturn that, that um, hideous uh, decision by the court. It's not constitutional. It's not a constitutional right, by the way. Uh, they keep repeating those kind of lies so that you won't, you'll think that. Um, nowhere is, in fact, the only thing found there is the right to life. And so I don't see how you can say it's constitutional to take a life of an innocent person. But, but once we understand that in the beginning was God and God made it, we realize that we only have a limited authority to touch it. And God gives us the rules for doing that in Genesis and on. How are we to deal with the things that God created? How are we to treat them? How are we to... Uh, manage them how are we to use them because we have a, a a God who was there before anything was he creates it and he created it in such a way that he comes back and has to personally form it the way he wants it to be because when it says the heavens and the earth here's that implication again that both are not before God created them when you say it the way it says it God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. When you say the earth was without form and void, doesn't mean he walked down and went, oh, look at that, a ball of water with land underneath. Let me see what I can do with that. No, he made it that way. Then he comes back, and he starts to do something with it because he created the mess that he's going to fix. It was an abyss of water, a chaotic mass. We, we, you the Greek translation of the Old Testament used the word chaos. There is a chaotic mass wrapped in darkness. And the second part of the verse says the Spirit of God was upon it. I told you all this little joke before, and it's good enough. I'm going to tell it again right now. So if you heard it, you can remember it. But a group of scientists got excited and told God that they were able to create life, that he created life, that they now could create life out of dirt. And God said, okay, bring your best. And they showed up, and they got a shovel, and they went to dig out, out of the ground some dirt. He said, whoa, 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 get your own dirt. <laughs> when you think biblically, you realize that you can't get past verse 1 of Genesis. And, you, and, you, and all of our thinking from there to the end, because here's, here's the nature of the Bible. I want to give you a little understanding of overview of the Bible. We call it the progress of redemption. It's not that, and, and some people are trying to explain this, go into some things that, that are kind of funny. But, but as God creates man and starts dealing with man and man falls and, and on, God reveals how he's going to save man and how he's going to redeem his nature. And he takes about 4,000 years to do that from Genesis 1-1 before we fully understand at least that long, maybe even a little bit longer. It's going to be a while that before, we, before we get there. From this point to the flood is over 2,600 years already. And, and so we're, we're seeing this happen. 
And, and so God tells us a little bit, just enough. He's going to come back later and tell us a little bit more and a little bit more. And he begins to reveal himself through Scripture. And Genesis is the beginning. But you can't get down here if you don't know what's up there. If I had taught my children 2 plus 2 equals 5, they would have never learned anything about math that would make any sense. Because 2 plus 2 is 4. Now some brilliant person will come up and go, well, I can prove 2 plus 2 isn't 4. Well, good for you. But the rest of us normal people understand 2 plus 2 equals 4. And if I said 2 plus 2 equals 5 and I taught my kid that was the truth, how will he ever do algebra or calculus or anything else that I could never do knowing 2 plus 2 equals 4? How is that going to happen? So if you don't get this God that is in Genesis 1-1, you'll never understand redemption. You'll never understand the fall of man. You'll never understand angels. You'll never stand, understand heaven. You'll never understand hell. You'll never understand the, the standards that God sets and how we deal with certain things in our lives and in the life of men. And I just want you to understand the earth was without. But the second part of that verse says, but the Spirit of God, the uh, darkness over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, I want you to notice something here. In the very first verse, God's name is there. God is present in verse 1. In the beginning, God created, and his, and his title, Elohim, which is plural, by the way. The I am, any Hebrew word that ends in I am, means at least three of that. There's three or more. In Hebrew, you have singular, double, or, du, double or dual, and plural. And im is plural. <clears throat> a goy is a Gentile. The goyim are the nations, are all the Gentiles. So El is the name of God. So when the name ends in El, Micah El, who is like God. Okay? Here it's El Ohim, at least three. Three persons, one God. God created. So we see God the Father there. We see <clears throat> the Holy Spirit present in verse 2 the spirit of god is hugging hovering like a bird over its eggs in verse 2 god is uh, god is there and the spirit of god is hovering but jesus is seen and i'm am going to dip into verse 3 and god said let there be light in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was God. When you go to Colossians 1, it says he is the firstborn. It calls Jesus the firstborn of creation. And so we think, oh, yeah, first. No, he wasn't created. It cannot mean that he was born in the beginning. It has to mean something else. And here's what it, the word literally means. It means out of him comes everything. And when you read Colossians 1, what you realize about Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3, is that Jesus is the one that said, hey guys, I've got an idea. And the Lord's going to forgive me for how I'm talking. This isn't how God talks. But I'm getting to where we can understand it. Right, Lord? Okay, good. We're good. He said we're good. All right. And he didn't actually just tell me that. I just know that. Okay. Just in case you thought I got some dose of the ghost. No. Jesus, the guy said, hey, guys, I got an idea. Let's create a universe. Put stars in it. Planets in it. Said, what else are we going to put in there? Nothing but one little planet down here in the corner. On the edge of this one galaxy, we'll make a planet. And we'll, we'll call it Earth. And we'll, we'll put men on there. And, and men will rebel against us like almost right away. And then we'll have to do something to save them and redeem them. 
Well, how are we going to do that? I'll go. And I will live with them to show them us. And I won't sin so that I won't do what they did. I will never rebel against us. I will live that perfect life. But I won't go like us. I will become them. And so I need the Holy Spirit to do the work through me. And Father says, well, if you go do that, sure. Holy Spirit, would you do that? Sure, I'll do that. And so are you going to, how are we going to do this? Well, I'm, I will be your son and the Spirit will help me. And then everyone who believes in me the Spirit can fill them so they can do the work that we have done. And the Trinity said, good idea, let's do that. And from before the foundation of the world, Jesus became the Lamb sacrificed. But you've got to understand that God that didn't ever have to do that. He didn't have to do anything. He never had to make angels to help us. He never had to... He never had to promise to give us the Holy Spirit. He never had to put on human form if he didn't want to. But standing there in the completeness of the Trinity, they said, let's make a universe. Let's make men. Let's put them on this planet. And then let's love them to death. And to God, it was good. And he did it. That's where we start, y'all. That's where we begin. So we see the Trinity in the very first three verses of the Bible. God created, the Spirit hovered, and then the spoken word creates. And all things were made by him. There was nothing made unless he made it. And by him and by his power, all things are held together. That's the God we call Father. That's the God we call Brother. That's the Spirit we call the Welcome Comforter in our lives. So you, what do you do? This week, first of all, I'd believe God if I were you. I'd believe God is. Hebrews 14, I mean 11, 6 is the verse I quoted. All those who come to him must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So believe God is this week. It, it solves all the questions. The, the Bible and the biblical account gives us a plausible answer for every issue of how the earth got here. How we got here. What's going on with everything we see. All that's found right here in Genesis. But if you start with trying to figure it out, you'll never get there. You, you have to believe that God is for the Spirit to reveal to you everything he's saying in the Scripture. Now, we understand that. The facts are there. We can do it factually. But it is still a step of faith. You see, lately in the political world, we've been hearing this phrase. They don't believe the science or we're going to follow the science. Now, the ones that are saying both of those things is the same group. And they neither believe the science nor follow the science. They make up a story and then tell you it was science. You see, I can't prove creation. Because to absolutely prove it, I have to redo it the way it was done to see if it would work. That's the scientific method, right? It's got to be observable, measurable. And what's the third thing? Repeatable. Repeatable. Thank you. We Nobody can repeat creation. No man is able to do that. We can't get there. But neither can you prove evolution. 
So you have to look at the evidence and make a decision. And so what I'm telling you is the Bible gives us a plausible explanation that there wasn't anything and there's a God, a being that we know as Elohim, the three in one, Yahweh, Jesus or Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, who we don't know his name, and the three made everything that is. Now that makes a whole lot more sense to me than there was this explosion and then something stirred around and happened and some molecules bumped into each other and somehow they became a life form. Because there's so many problems and all that that, that are insurmountable. There's so many irreducible complexities that you can't get there from here. I'm just telling you, you can't. So it comes down to will you believe the record that God gave us or will you believe what man has been able to figure out? Now, man's been able to figure out a lot of facts, and they're good facts. But the problem is they have to keep remaking the science books for our school kids every year. Why? Because we keep learning new facts. We don't have absolute knowledge as God does. So, this week, I would begin to believe that God is, and I would start with God. Because that's the only way the rest of Scripture is going to make any sense whatsoever. Secondly, I would trust God to make something of your ruins. Maybe you're sitting here today and people don't really know your story. And I'm not asking you to come tell me unless you want to. I mean, I'll listen if you want me to. But, but sometimes people will come into church or live a life. This, this week, if you're a person who's kept up with this, this week a man who was probably the best apologist for the Christian faith in the past few years, it's been revealed they, they heard these, the, the, the people that kept his ministry going, he's now dead, were able to uncover that he was living a double life, a life of absolute sin behind the scenes, and nobody knew it. And so they went ahead and put that out there because they would rather have a, a cleansing and say, we get it, you're right, this happened, and that is the best way to expose it, bring it to the light so we can, we can go on from there. But maybe you're like him because this guy traveled the world debating for Christianity was one of the best in the world at it, living a horrible private life. You think God could have done something with him while he was still alive? Absolutely he could have. If he had just repented. God could have fixed all that. Because God can make something out of your ruin. Because I can tell you there are many men in the pulpit today who've done worse than whatever he did. And God redeemed them and saved them and changed their life so that they became legitimate warriors for Christ. So just trust God to make something out of your ruin. Men won't forget or forgive, but God does. And then thirdly, believe God in his threeness and trust him in his oneness. Believe that the God that we serve is three in one, but trust that he is one, that there's no separate purposes, there's no disagreement there's no the father's greater than the son or the son's greater than the spirit or the spirit's greater no they are three in one they are the same they the same in essence they're the same they deserve the same glory the same worship the same adoration they are they are unique in all creation because they are the ones who started creation and the only thing we know is what they've let us know you know that old saying i'll teach I, I can teach everything you know but i'm not going to teach everything i know you know, you understand that? God's taught us what we know, but he hasn't taught us what he knows fully. 
But there's coming a day when we will fully know him as we are fully known. And so trust God. Believe God in his threeness, but trust him in his oneness. That God has a singular purpose and that you are part of his purpose. That that's why God is working all things to, to the good for his glory and for, our, and, and for our benefit. I mean, we will live a very brief time on this planet and then we get to go be with him. And so why not let God direct our lives in this brief moment of instant of time and then what God does in our life will count for eternity. It would be a sad thing to come to the end of our life and having wasted all the moments of our life. I know all of us, none of us have ever done all we could do or been everything we wanted to be. But I would encourage that this week, that as we believe God and trust in God, that we will believe and trust in him, that if he can create it, he sure can fix it. He knows how to do that, and that we would let him fix our life. I think it would be helpful to us. In the beginning... God. You see, for there to be what we see, there had to be a prime mover. It could not have just, out of nothingness, something all of a sudden happened. You cannot spontaneously create yourself. There had to be that prime mover who said, matter be, light be, time be, space be, look this way, do it this way. God spoke all that into being. He did it in six days. We're going to start looking at that next week. Let's serve that God. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. We thank you.